Warning, real life, real crime, the podcast should be for listeners that are 18 years of older, as each episode may contain strong adult language and descriptions of acts of violence or of a sexual nature that were told to me by the victims of the crimes or the criminals who perpetrated the crimes against the victim. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this first ever mini episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. I'm Woody Overton, your host, and this is for our patron members. I want to say thank you, first of all, y'all, for supporting the show. You've been awesome, and I appreciate each and every one of you. On this mini episode, I'm going to do something a little bit different, right? Because the last regular episodes, I'm all been kind of hard to hear and dealing with a lot of serious stuff. But I want to show you a little bit of the lighter side of law enforcement and what can happen. So on the many episodes, I'll be mixing them up. Some will be hard to hear, regular crime stuff, and some of them are going to be funny cop stories. And today I've chosen a funny cop story, one that sticks in my mind from, gosh, at least... 17 years ago, I guess, 17, 18 years ago. Before I do that, though, just thanks again, patron members. We love you. Thanks for the support. We are killing it. 55 countries across the world now, y'all. One day I'm going to do the list of them. It's ridiculous. Some of them I've never even heard of. I had to look them up on the map. And over 17,000 downloads as of yesterday morning. And we're above that, of course, today. So, Really appreciate you and thank you. And our, and our private Facebook page or group page has over 509 members as of this morning when I'm recording this. And that's unreal, right? And we have the best group of moderators and administrators on there. And y'all, they, they share also on Instagram and Twitter and now YouTube. And we're going to be doing some more things. I'm going to start posting some videos this week and just some different ideas that what I call them my dream team, the, the admin and moderators have come up with to promote the show. So that'll be coming. Also, we're going to have the real life, real crime hotline where you, the patron members can call in and ask me anything. It's going to be a voicemail. You can ask me anything or give shout outs or complain or compliment or whatever you want to say it doesn't matter and i'm gonna work it all into to future episodes it's gonna be cool so i you don't have to leave your last name if you don't want to but i'm gonna play it on air it'll be your voice and then i'm gonna answer it or respond to it or whatever another great idea by the dream team of moderators and administrators so uh patron you know you have the benefits and the perks and we appreciate it because it helps us do things like our store, our Real Life Real Crime store, which is open. And yesterday we posted our first shirts that came in, and we'll have more designs and shirts coming in later this week. And we have coffee mugs and uh, vehicle stickers and magnets and whatever. Just check it out. It's some cool stuff. 
and it's all all made possible because y'all are supporting us and so that being said as a patron member you get your discounts on the merchandise according to the tier level that you join and so that's another perk and as is this mini episode so let me get started all right in 2001 I was working in the Uniform Patrol Division for the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. And I was working on the east side of the parish. It was a Saturday night. It was in, I think, like November. It was cold, raining, dark night. Now, the east side of the parish, y'all, call it that because Livingston Parish, for law enforcement purposes, we split it up between the east and the west. And now the west side of the parish is the most populated side of the parish where the bigger cities are and the east is more rural and has more small towns you know more country if you will and so the majority of the deputies were concentrated on the west side of the parish and on the east side we'd be lucky if we had two much less three of us to catch all the calls that came in but the difference between the east and the west side is if you got a 911 call on the west side to set a disturbance or a 103D with a gun, nine times out of ten you showed up and there's no gun, right? On the east side of the parish, if they call you at all, because they generally take care of themselves, handle their own business and, and disputes, but if you get a 103D with a gun or a disturbance with a firearm on the east side, you better you better show up ready, Jack, because there's going to be a gun, at least one. So anyway, it was Saturday night. And I was 10-8 on duty and a uniform patrol. And my partner, John Wilkerson, JT is what I call him, my brother from another mother. We actually went to the academy together and both worked for uh, separate departments before we came to the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office and ended up on the same shift together. But JT was somewhere off uh, down in the south end of the east side of the parish and and i was catching calls more towards the north end and y'all it's a huge expansive area it's a more rural like i said but you know your calls may be 25 miles apart but i was patrol not patrolling i was leaving a call and i received a call from dispatch 259-361 and that's 259 is the dispatcher for the sheriff's office and 361 was my unit number. And I answered, I said, go ahead, 259. And they said, we have a 911 call of a 103D on, and I'm not, I'm not going to say the name of the road, y'all, and y'all understand. I'm not going to say the name of the people involved in this, and y'all understand when I get done. On such and such road, being route, no weapons that are known of at this time. So I turned my unit around and I headed in that direction. It took me probably 10 or 15 minutes to get there. And it's in a really rural spot. And I have to turn down this long gravel driveway, private driveway. But it's a really nice place. And it was leading back towards one of our rivers. Uh, So I follow the driveway around. It's a really nice manicured yard. I can't see the home. I mean, it's a curvy driveway. I mean, it must be like on a 50-acre plot or something, right? No neighbors. And I'm following through, and it opens up into this section of land where the house is. And there's an attached garage. It's a beautiful two-story home, Cadian style is what we call it. And it has the the posts and the wraparound porch and uh, just beautiful house well maintained nice vehicles there was a mercedes a new mercedes and a big new truck fancy truck there was a a harley parked outside 
in, in a nice cement parking area. And so I get there and I said, call in. I said, 259-361's on location. And, and so I get out. And you do that because you go in and that you want them, your dispatcher to know that you're there and in case you get there and sugar turns to shit. And if they don't hear from me in a couple of minutes, they'll call and check on me, right? So make sure I'm all right. And we'll get into that in future episodes and th- times that I wasn't all right. And, and the dispatchers literally saved my life. But so I let them know I was there and I go up and knock on the door and it's a, beautiful wood frame door with stained glass inlay on it and the porch light comes on and uh, a man opens the door and he's probably maybe 60 years old physically fit white guy good looking guy and he says come in and I say okay I'm Deputy Overton and, and I walk into this living room it's huge high vaulted ceilings there's animal mounts all the way around the the wall you know deer heads and I think a pheasant uh, and then there was a turkey that was mounted so that right away tells me I know they have firearms and I go in and it's big sectional leather couch big screen TV which back then was a big deal in 2001 just an immaculate beautiful home on the inside I'm thinking well I wonder what's going on here right and so I go in and there's a female standing in the living room and she's probably in her late 50s early 60s attractive white female and so I I stop and I say okay again I'm Deputy Overton and we had a 911 call of a disturbance here at the residence who wants to tell me what's going on I said or who called it in the male looks at the female and the female looks at the male nobody says anything and I said okay I said again who called 911 and they're sitting there looking at each other and there's probably 10 feet separating them and I said listen y'all I'm here because someone called 911 and they didn't say anything so I got on my shoulder Mike and I said 361-259 I said 259 go ahead I said who called in the 911 and the dispatcher came back and gave the male's name and I said okay are you after I heard it, I said, are you this guy's name? And he said, yes, that's me. I said, then you need to tell me why you called 911 and what the problem is. And he looked at her and he said, you tell him. And she said, no, you tell him. And he said, no, you tell him. And I'm like thinking, oh, shit, here we go. And I said, no, just you tell me, sir. You call 911. If I need to separate y'all so you can tell me, I mean, then I'll do that. He said, no, no, you don't need to separate us. And he, he said, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the reason that you're here, deputy. I said, okay, please do. He said, my wife and I have been married for 33 years, and we have an agreement. I said, well, is this your wife? And he said, yes. I said, okay. And I said, what's the agreement? He said, we have an agreement that she has to have sex with me three times a week. And I'm like, Okay, and I said, and and he said, and tonight's my night to have sex with her, and she won't give it up. Well, you know, 
I've been in uniform patrol for a while, and like I always said, it was the greatest show on earth. You know, you never knew what you were going to meet and what the next call was going to bring in. But this one was a little bit surprising, right? I'm in this beautiful home. Obviously, you know, well-educated people, and they make a good living, et cetera. And this man is standing here telling me that he has been married for 33 years. The first thing that shocked the shit out of me was you're married for 33 years and you have an agreement to have sex three times a week. I mean, come on. But he was serious. And I said, okay, and so you called 911. Why? He said, because it's my night and I want her to have sex with me. And I said, all right. I said, and exactly why did you call 911? He said, I want you to make her have sex with me. And I said, okay, sir. I said, let's think about this. And I said, are you serious? And he said, it's, you're damn right I'm serious. I want you to make her stand up to her end of the bargain. Tonight's my night, and I want her to have sex with me. So my radio goes off, and it's the dispatcher, 259-361. You code four? And I said, yeah, 10-4, I'm code four. I'm going to be a minute and letting them know everything was okay. So I looked back at him. I said, look, sir. What do you want me to do? What do you suggest that we do to resolve this situation? I said, you want me to make your wife have sex with you? And he said, that's right, damn it. I want her, you, you to make her have sex with me. I said, okay, so let's talk this out. I said, you want you want to use my handcuffs? I said, do you have like bedposts on your bed? I mean, we can hand, handcuff her to the bedposts or maybe I should take my baton out it's actually what's called an ass it was expandable baton so maybe i should take my ass out and just beat her over the head and knock her unconscious and that, that way you can have sex with her i said exactly what do you want me to do and she says the the wife chimes in and says i told you, you stupid son of a bitch how stupid you are to have called 911 to, to do this and i, I you know I, I said sir really you could get in trouble for calling 911 because your wife won't have sex with you. I said, you should be thankful after 33 years that she wants to have sex with you at all, much less that she agreed to do it three times a week. I said, come on, man. I said, y'all have kids? He said, yeah, we have kids. We have five kids and are all grown and, and moved away. And I said, oh, man. I said, look, you're obviously an intelligent person. I said, but you're not thinking clearly. That there's no way in any way, shape, or form I'm going to do anything to force your wife to have sex with you to uphold her end of the bargain of that she has to give it up three times a week. I mean, I said, you should just need to count your lucky stars that you have a wife that after 33 years wants to do anything with you at all. And I said, listen, I'm going to leave, and if I get a call back here, you will be leaving with me. I said, I promise you, I won't. If I get a second call back here and I have to come back, I will not get a third. I said, ma'am, do you, do you feel safe or do you think he's going to do anything to harm you? And she said, no, he's just a dumbass and he's just mad and he wants to embarrass me. And she said, and he did a good job of it. I'm embarrassed as hell. And I said, well, you know what? I'm embarrassed for you. Turned to him. I said, sir, I don't normally say things like this, but you, should be ashamed of yourself. And in hell, I felt like I was talking to one of my kids, right? 
So, but anyway, the, the, he, I said, if you do anything, I'm coming back. You're going to jail. No questions asked. I said, if I have to come back here tonight, just go ahead and turn around and put your hands behind your back because you will be leaving with me. And she said, no, no, it's not going to be like that. He's not going to do anything. He's going to apologize about five minutes after you leave, and we'll probably make up and we'll probably have sex. And I thought, well, um, you do pay taxes, obviously. You have a big, beautiful home and, and, and everything, and you pay the sheriff taxes. But this is certainly a misuse of your tax dollars, okay? I could be out there catching real legitimate bad guys, but you, know, you call 911 because your wife wouldn't have sex with you. And if you do it again, I'm going to take you to jail. And that's it, y'all. I left. I just... That story always stuck in my mind because you just never know what goes on behind closed doors. I mean, this was people, beautiful people, older people, successful. Their kids have all moved away and, and everything. And this guy calls 911 to get me out there to force his wife to have sex with him after 33 years of marriage. Jeez Louise. Well... I'm going to conclude this mini episode. I hope it didn't disappoint. I, I thought I would do something funny. Y'all let me know if you don't want another funny episode in the future. And I'll just stick to the true crime part. Now, I have to do a sphincter scale on this cat because I'm going to give him a one on the sphincter scale. He barely shouldn't even be in trouble. But I still think he's an asshole for calling 911 and reporting a, a domestic disturbance emergency because his wife of 33 years wouldn't hold up her into the bargain and have sex with him on his night to have sex but that's it one on the sphincter scale and let's conclude this and I appreciate each and every one of you and thank you and I hope you enjoyed this mini episode of real life real crime podcast Woody Overton until next time thanks Call.